The thing that bothers me so much of late is the transgender issues. I feel, like many of you, I think, feel like some sort of madness has overtaken the country. And I just, I just keep on saying, can we just talk to ourselves from the year 2020, even 2005, even 2010, and, and just ask ourselves, would we have embraced this back then? What, we would, what would we say to ourselves if we were to say that, to show, to show ourselves embracing this crap, like John Stewart and, um, uh, what's his name, Oliver, John Oliver, and, and so many other politicians of the day, for that matter, who now are talking about, you know, being kind and affirming to the gender stuff. And it's, it's a madness that has clearly taken over our, our world, putting aside the progressive agenda. I think that's part of it, of course, too. But it takes two to tango on this issue. One is, uh, yes, a group that is designed to and eager to push an agenda that, that seeks to destroy our civilization, for one, uh, but it also takes people willing to, to, to believe it, to believe that a man can be a woman and vice versa, and that it's only affirming if you let uh, a biological male go into a, a girl's locker room and, and to imprison people accordingly. And I, I, it's really, really weird. Okay, but those two things are necessary, right? So we've all heard about how maddening and crazy this is. But I want to I talk more about how this is a reflection on us as a society, but also us as individuals and what it all means. Because we, we know, you know, most of our listeners here are, are conservative, that's, that's for sure. But I want to have a better understanding of why is it happening in the first place and its consequences. So, first, um, it's why this is happening in the first place. Um, and please, Ari, make, make sure to remind me to, to, to talk about, you know, some aspects, the three aspects of transgenderism, because that they all need to work in order for any of this to make sense. But right now, why is this happening? Um, Ari brought up a good point offline about freedom. Uh, God commands us to be free, to seek out liberty. And a question is, why would he command us? I mean, you know, by, by definition, that seems almost, uh, you know, contradictory, right? Yeah, why would he command you to do something that you, on um, general observation, think that you would do anyway? Right. Well, that, that, that too, but also the, the fact that he's commanding us to be free, isn't that like commanding us to like something? I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it seems somewhat paradoxical. But so that, that goes to the issue, doesn't it? The issue is... Quite simply, why is it that we insist on being free and that God insists on us being free? Why is it an obligation? And I think part of it, in fact, if not all of it, is, I mean, the, the ultimate goal is that if we are not free, we're, we are not able to connect with God at all. That's, that's a bottom line. We are unable to uh, see his glory. We're not able to see uh, what his mission might be for us. But let's, let's think of it from a standpoint of like, let's, let's assume that you did not, did not have an obligation to be free, that we're not commanded to be so. Well, um, that would mean that we would take no effort whatsoever to, uh, to build structures, uh, a roof on, on top of our heads, to have air conditioning for that matter, to wear clothes, 
uh, we would always be at the mercy of the elements, right? If you, if you have no obligation to be free, no obligation to make your life better, then you're really a slave in every sense of the word, right? Because then you're, you're a victim to the weather, you're a victim to food, you're constantly struggling to find food, and you're a victim uh, from others, who, other animals in particular, who would seek to have you as food, right? So you're always running away, seeking food, seeking shelter, one way or the other. You, you are not free. So freedom, it, you know, in a very interesting way, implies hard work. You have to discover tools that will enable you to self-actualize. And have the free time in order to have time to worship, to pray, to find a God, to meditate, to contemplate. Right. If you're doing the actions of constantly surviving nature 24-7, not counting sleep, of course, um, then how do you ever have time to lift your head up and get your mind out of the drudgery of um, menial existence labors? Yeah, you don't have the time to contemplate such, you know, uh, ethereal things, right? You can't possibly do that. So that that is a very important point because you're, you're, you see that as a luxury to the extent that you can even think that there might be a higher power out there. Uh, that is a luxury. You'll get to it when you have time, you know, at, when you're not chasing food, when you're not trying to seek shelter, when you're not running away from animals. That's, that's what you'll be doing all the time. So freedom implies hard work. Now, that you've done the work to then create the time as a result of the hard work from the fruits of the labors of the right. hard work. Right. Everything that we do, uh, hard work-wise, I mean, me as a lawyer, you as, well, whatever you do, uh, and then... Uh, oh. Professional hanger honor. Yeah, more something like that. Yeah, uh, a member of an entourage. Yes. So, uh, but but the plumber doing his work, uh, the therapist doing her work, and, and so on. Everyone doing what they need to do. It's it's a way of improving lives to be to enable people to live a life where they can um, be enlightened, where they can reach out and, and seek out God. That's what it's all about. At the end of the day, whether you realize it or not, that's really what we're all gunning for. Now, now we get back to transgenderism. So here is a, 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 I don't even call it ideology, but here's a thing, a trend, where you're invited to indulge in your most basic uh, needs for the time and also to indulge in your uh, somewhat uh, bizarre fantasies, your internal fantasy that you're the opposite sex in the case of transgenderism. Uh, but it's no different than... Uh, anyone thinking that he's Napoleon or Jesus or George Washington or, or anything else. Elvis. Uh, Elvis is a very good example, too. You, all these things are indulgent, right? And, and when you are uh, fascinated only about that, you are not going to see reality at the end of the day. And I, I, we've made this point before in a podcast or two uh, um, many, many moons ago where we really kind of studied, like, what have transgendered folks really ever done? As a, as a group of people, I, you know, what, what pride is there in being transgendered? I understand about, you know, you can be proud as a, as a gay person uh, for some of the great contributions that gay people have made. Likewise, blacks, likewise, Asians, uh, likewise, Jews. There are so many groups out there that have contributed a lot not because they've indulged, oh, hold on, hold on, not because they've, um, and part of the reason why is that they have not been self-consumed in this bizarre dysphoria 
where all they want to do is not only be the other gender, but demand everyone else to treat them the same. Okay. Here. That's, a, that's not the same thing with, hold on, it's not the same thing with Judaism, right? I'm not I'm expecting the world to turn around me as a Jew, right? I'm not asking other people to be, to be Jewish. I'm simply existing. That's it. And, uh, it's, and it's not a dysphoria. I, I am a Jew. <laughs> that's the way it works. Uh, but we have to, in, in the transgendered world, we have to uh, somehow accommodate and play into the dysphoria. And participate. That's very, dis- that's very destructive. And participate in their dreams and fantasies. Led me to think that we should do a, uh, you, your next book and we should make a movie called Great Cross-Dressers of History <laughs> as a starting point. You yes. know, Great drag shows of history for children or whatever. I'll bet we'll find a very short list except in little pockets of places like, oh, at the Golden Calf and Sodom and Gomorrah and maybe in the deep, dark, horrible places of decadence within the different ro- uh, empires that rose and fell, like the Egyptians, the Romans, the Babylonians, etc. Because I'm sure they were doing some stuff there, you know, and of course circus freak shows. But other than that, there isn't much on that list. There is a very interesting um, commandment in the Torah that uh, a man should never dress as uh, with with women's clothing and vice versa. Uh, And that distinction is so important um, that that they make it an actual commandment. Uh, why? Because the distinction between men and women is considered a very serious distinction. Okay, and to blow, it, to blow it apart is extremely dangerous. We need to really kind of take stock into the fact that, that this is a commandment. Now, if you don't believe in the Bible, okay, well, then you, you don't take it seriously. But the Bible is full of wisdom and has shown consequences galore. People who don't understand the Bible, who, who focus only on the secular approach to this, uh, have no idea, have no sense of history that Ari just talk, spoke about. That th- there's no moment in history where you can say, you know, the people who identified as the opposite sex to the, you know, because they didn't have surgeries available back then, but identified as the opposite sex, where were they in history? What, what were they doing? Nothing. There's just now. That, that's not to say. That's not to say that people. They're, they're not valuable or they're not human beings because they haven't contributed anything to society. I'm far from that. I am saying, however, that to indulge in this is destructive for our society. You're talking about them in, in an aggregate. You're talking about where's the great movement of these people in great numbers. You know, like how we talk about the Jews. For such small numbers, lit all the Nobel Prizes or something like that. For the blacks, look how they overcame the, the slavery and the, um, you know, the bondage of Jim Crow slavery and segregation in America as a people. Right. A lot of peoples uh, have done amazing, outstanding thing in aggregate with, of course, individuals. And, you know, there may be an individual here and there who's done something amazing, uh, but we can't think of them. And I would also like to point to a lot of times there's two conflated issues here, which is the surgery and then the transgenderism. They're different things. I would mention there are a number of great eunuchs in history. Okay, great and defined in different ways. Let's just take one of them, Farinelli, the uh, great singer of the castrato, right? There's a movie made about him. The important distinction is, is that Farinelli did not want to have that done to him. 
and spend a life in agony that it was done to him. He didn't have pride that he was, you know, sans testicles. He was in agony because of it and made the best of his life as his lot was dealt to him because of something horrible that was an act of mutilative child abuse done to him as a child. Uh, Sun Tzu, I think, might have been a eunuch, the Chinese general. But we don't know about that. But we're not sure. But the point is, there are, you know, prominent Chinese imperial people who did great writing or something. But none of them wanted that to have happened to them. Right. Not only that, there but was no, never a choice. nor did they identify as a woman because right. of their castration, right? Yes. I mean, they, 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 they had to deal with the realities. It's not, you know, when, when somebody, oh, some of our soldiers come back without arms or legs or lose their eyesight, they don't glorify in it. They don't, they say, look, I don't have my arm now. Uh, it sucks, but I'm going to try to find a way around it. I'm going to try to make the most of my life uh, regardless. But I don't identify, I don't say that I'm better off without my arm. Uh, I don't identify as a, a two-armed person who doesn't have an arm. It's, it's really weird. Yeah, that's I, what's so sick about this whole situation. Yeah. We've never had people who lost those body parts and celebrated the agony that losing those have given them. Right. Okay. So this goes into the three things I wanted to talk about, three aspects of transgenderism that all have to fly in order for it to, to make sense. So the first one, and, and two, the first two, by the way, I have to give credit to Matt Walsh uh, for a podcast that he gave, our friend Matt Walsh. Um, he, you know, things that I think are fairly straightforward. One is that it's just not biological reality. You cannot be a woman if you were born a man. Sorry, you may not like that. You may wish you were born a woman. I get that. But you ain't a woman. And just deal with it. Okay? That's biological reality. The second part that he mentions is the idea of consent. Uh, this, of course, applies to uh, people younger than 18 uh, who are suddenly either chemically castrated or otherwise have surgeries that uh, purport to change them into the opposite sex and uh, puberty, so puberty blockers, yeah, all, the affirming, uh, all the affirming nonsense. So the, the question is, and, and this is a point that from a legal point of view, makes a lot of sense, and I think also from an ideological point of view. Um, these people don't have the ability to consent to such, uh, to such matters. Well, you can say, well, the, the parents uh, are authorizing them to. Well, that, but that's, that's kind of kicking the can down the road because the kid is telling the parents, I feel like a girl when he's a boy, uh, but that indication, he himself is not consenting, so he may want it, uh, as a young boy, but he doesn't have that capacity to consent. The fact that a guardian uh, or a parent says, okay, well, let's go ahead and do it, that doesn't change the fact that this boy does not have the ability to consent from a, from a mens rea, what we call a state of mind point of view. Uh, that he just doesn't have that. The third thing, and this is a very important thing that I bring up quite a bit, is I, I'd like transgendered folks, people who I truly identify from a dysphoria point of view or, or think that it's cool um, for, from a social point of view, I'd like them to ask themselves, what, what will it be like on the other side of the fence, as it were, right? The other side of the wall, where now they are a woman. You know, I put that in quotes. Uh, now they are a man. Again, in quotes. Um, will you be accepted? I mean, you, you, you think that you're going to be a woman, you think you're going to be a man. But the question is, that's, that's you kind of pleasing yourself via surgery or some sort of chemical thing or the puberty blockers and all that stuff. That's you. But what about how the world perceives you? 
in what in, in that world on the other side of the of the wall how do you think the world is going to perceive you do you do you really think the you, you know as you get older you know you're going to be now 50 years old 6 years old do you think the other women um, are going to join invite you to their mahjong group really to their tea parties to their book clubs or whatever it might be do you really think if you're uh, you purport to be a man that now all of a sudden you're one of the guys and the guys are going to be talking to you you know like like guys like guys do in the locker room talking smack about how their how big their erections can be and how awesome viagra is or whatever it is and and how um Whatever it might be. I mean, whatever you think locker room talk. You think, you think that they're going to accept you as, a, as another guy? You, in what world can you possibly think of that? that that's, that's a dysphoria of its own, isn't it? You, you, you think that you're out of the opposite sex. That's dysphoria number one. And dysphoria number two is that you actually think that people will treat you exactly the way you uh, you perceive yourself. And, and let's, let me maybe put a qualifier in there. You think that people will sincerely treat you the way. Uh, right now, there's a That's a good point. That's a really good point. Social bullying pressure that they, oh, yeah, you're beautiful. You're brave, right? But do they really mean it? Are they going to treat you like that without the gun to their head of of um, being starved out and bankrupt because they're they've been fired from their job or or they'll be uh, ostracized and essentially sent to um, a, a form of uh, exile, social exile for pronoun violation? Yeah, this is you know, no different. Remove remove the penalty and then see if they sincerely are able to treat you that way. Even if they want to, are they able? Right. It's, this is no different God, than that. I made a great point. <laughs> this is no different than the dear leader uh, aspect that you expect in North Korea. They, they're all smiling and clapping. And, uh, you know, the dear leader, in this case, Kim Jong-un, uh, maybe he believes. In fact, I'm sure he believes that these people are truly happy to see him. They're truly uh, excited about his mission to destroy South Korea, destroy America or whatever. Uh, and, and the, but it's all fake smiles. We, we know that. And they're terrified of it. Hold on, hold on, all right, just, just stop. Uh, they're, all, they're all terrified of it. And so this is the same thing, I think, that you're mentioning, uh, that you've got to understand that whatever you think people are saying, they, they may be barking like seals. Good for you, good for you. We treat you like a woman. Oh, yeah, if you say you're a woman, you are a woman. Yes, absolutely. How can we help you? Oh, yeah, you want to go to the, the, uh, the women's locker room? By all means, and so on like that. You want to participate in, in uh, women's um, uh, sports teams? By all means. We, we can pretend that. But, uh, you know, everyone knows that when you go back to uh, your, your club, when you go back to your house, for that matter, when you talk to your, your spouse, spouse, who's actually a woman, um, you, you know, they're, they're going to say, okay, we, we've got, you know, Charlie's become a freak. That's all they're going to say. And, and if you think otherwise and you expect people to treat you exactly the way, like, like a woman, when you claim to be a woman, just because you claim it, you've got another thing coming. You, you truly have a dysphoria. And that's a sad, that's a really sad state of affairs. Now the word freak, I'm saying, I, you know, I'm not saying that that's a, that's yeah, the way yeah, it should we, be done. In this case we are. Well, hold on. it is freaky. Okay. Ari, stop just a second. It's not, it's not even about that. The fact is that people have their opinions. And right or wrong, they're going to be using that word in their heads. Okay? And a lot of people will be using that in their heads. It doesn't matter how progressive you are. Uh, they will see 
you, Charlie, uh, who've decided to become a woman or think that you're a woman, they'll see you as freak. They, they, you know, they're not going to associate with you the same way that you think. This is not going to change anything. Okay, and then the final thing, of course, this is kind of, I guess, element number four, is where are all the happy transgendered folks? Where are they? You know, you don't, you don't see them. You mean the ones with no problems at all other than paying the bills and getting through life? like that? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. No, I'm talking about people who, who are, you know, they've gone through some sort of surgery. Uh, and now their transition is complete. Now it's five years later after their transition. And now they say to the open mic, I had my transition five years ago and I could not be happier. Life has been a pleasure for me. Uh, I'm now who I am. I feel self-actualized. I can progress without this obstacle of having a penis between my legs. Uh, now I have a vagina between my legs. I'm a regular woman. And I'm happy, happy, happy. You are not seeing that. You're not seeing it by one person. You're not seeing it by groups of people, let alone hundreds of people. I mean, there have been enough people now who've gone through the transition uh, of whatever kind of surgery who feel like their transition has been complete uh, that you, you would expect to see some sort of PSA, public service announcement, uh, showing all these wonderfully giddy and happy uh, transitioned folks who are saying, it was great for me, it'll be great for you. Do it, right? None of the, you don't, you don't hear this. No, instead you see ones in, like in the Matt Walsh documentary that was tragic of endless medical problems, yeah. endless corrective surgeries, endless drugs, endless disasters on their physiology, endless depression, endless a pain, endless off-balance life where they don't fit into one world or the other. Right. And... They're, they're in agony. It's the opposite of salvation. It's, it's a hell on earth. Well, and it gets us back to where we're talking about, about freedom, right? Part, part of freedom uh, it, it implies that you have to deal with reality. And Ari, you just brought up a good point because these people now have not only, far from, from freeing themselves into a, a, the reality that they perceive to be, they have created a new reality that is extremely painful where they are, instead of moving forward with their lives, they're having to deal with their past decision of some sort of surgery, chemical or otherwise, uh, which are, is now consuming them on an hourly basis, if not through a pain basis, yeah. uh, constantly. So that, that is, again, the opposite of freedom, isn't now, it? I want to make a quick point about this. And this is not to say these other things are good. Simple hysterectomies, simple castrations do not result in these kind of medical problems later on, okay? Testicles are removed for a variety of reasons for men at different stages of life, like cancer or, um, uh, you know, uh, torsional uh, stress injury, things like that. But it doesn't rewire or redo the plumbing of the body that causes hair to grow internally or something that making a vagina on a man that wasn't there causes. Uh, women losing their breasts does horrible things to their body. It's unbelievable. A simple hysterectomy that just removed the ovaries and the uterus doesn't do that. It's not a good thing. Women who don't need it shouldn't do it, right. but it doesn't result in the, So my point is, as bad as castration and sterilization surgeries were in the darkest days of the eugenics movement, it ne- or, or st- castration or sterilization of slaves 
lives at different junctions of history. Never resulted in this freak show. I want to just close with this quick point in this vein, which is we were told around 2014, oh, we must gender affirm those who are under 18 who can't give the consent because if we wait and affirm their surgery later after the development, then they're more at risk of suicide. Now that we've had five, six, seven years of this, Matt Walsh pointed out the amazingly brilliantly predictable fact, I think we even predicted back then, which is the suicide rate never went down. It skyrocketed. Right. That's right. It, it skyrocketed. And not only that, um, but Matt Walsh also said, and really I want to give him credit for this because it's such a good point, uh, to those people who say that transgenderism was always around um, in the same percentage that it is today, uh, then, okay, fine. Let's, let's assume that fact to be the case. It's not, but let's assume it. If that were the case, then you would expect to see massive suicides, right, from people who are not, not able to transition, you know, as opposed to the wondrous uh, present days where they can transition right. yes. uh, and where it's more socially acceptable to be a transgendered person. But back in those days, wow, they, they must have been killing themselves right and left, especially the young people, because, you know, they, they were suffering so much, right? So, of course, that was not happening. They, the suicide rate, if anything, has increased, as, as Ari has correctly pointed out, massive amounts of, of um, suicides going up in the transgendered world. It does not make life better. It makes it worse. They've gone over the wall. It, 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 because the reality doesn't match their imagination of what they thought it was going to be. Yeah. And can I make one other quick point? With, with the risk of doing an offshoot subject matter, but I think it's not too off base, is to address the indoctrinative behavior of institutions that have access to our young people these days, how this is happening in the schools. That's why the, you know, in your, I think, original Atheism Kills, you point out that the original number was something like one in 45,000 people honestly had this mental situation and it could be addressed with some treatment of uh, you know some psychotropic drugs some therapy it was very very rarely like a Renee Richards or something like that with some surgery but it was an incredibly rare thing but now they push this on kids going through puberty when you have that flood of feelings and then what I think is going on is in part of the indoctrinative lure and bait and switch is going on is the, in the schools are basically in sex ed classes saying, you know, all those confusing feelings and passions that you're having arising because of puberty, this is a way out. You don't have to do it if you do this. Yeah. And then kids, because they're so, because I know how I felt when I was 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, you're so amped up and frustrated. Some kids who feel that way are going, yeah, I would lose my testicles not to feel that way. Right. Yeah, so that's an interesting point. But it, again, it, it's not too much of an offshoot, so that's that's fine. But um, it is consistent with what we just said before you started talking, which is that they discover that their that the reality doesn't match the imagination they had had. Very much. Not, it's yeah. very. It's completely yeah. different from that. It's it's not at all where they expected. I mean, it's just. It's just, I'm sorry, it just doesn't work that way. It's like all these surgeries that, that are promised to, to, to do much better things for you, it's just not going to happen. Uh, so a lot of times, for example, sometimes women get uh, uh, breast plant, uh, implants, right? They think their whole lives are going to change, and it doesn't change. They may feel better about themselves, but they don't necessarily get more dates or more attention from men. Um, likewise with, uh, I don't know, hair, um, hair transplant issues. Yeah, or facelifts. Or facelifts, all those things. They, 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 they might do a little something you know, to make you feel better, but the reality is that the world kind of treats you more or less the same. 
Um, and you, you, and if you go too far with it, then you look like a freak at the end of the day. Yeah, like the people addicted to plastic surgery, right. the people they're, who are addicted to where their hair looks like fur and covered with shoe polish. Which goes to our point of message sent and message received. We said this many times, where you, you think you're sending a message to the world. In this case, a transgender thing, thinks that he's sending the, world, the message that he's now a woman to the world. That, mes- that message is not what the world is receiving. They're, they're, the message that they're receiving is this man is very confused. This man is self-consumed. This man can't deal with his own realities. And, and that, at the end of the day, is what's really going on here. The transgender stuff, you know, look, it's, it deals in, with, in the sexual realm, of course, and that's why it's being pushed. But I think it's more emblematic of something greater, and that is the, the constant push to make sure that people don't have to deal with the realities Right? You don't have a, a good job, that's not your fault. Uh, you know, you, we'll give you some money. And then you can feel good about yourself. Right? Well, I, I also uh, would take it real quick to their first point. If you or I went through this, we would be that much less able to deal with having freedom to find meaning in our creator. Yes. Because we would be that much more of a slave to the horrors of nature, in this case. I, that's what medical, we said before. Maybe he doesn't remember. That we'd be forced to suffer. That that's what we, we, we had already said that. And you're right, I mean, but I, I think we covered that. We did, but, well, I was just sort of... Yeah. So the, the other point I was just saying as an example of these realities that we're not accepting, uh, that, look, you don't want to work? Uh, okay, we'll give you money, right? I just said that. Yes. Uh, you... you um, uh, are not doing well in life, you don't feel like you, you can advance well, it's not because of your inability to, uh, to, to pursue anything, your, your, your laziness. It's because of your skin color or maybe some sort of other minority status that you have. Uh, that's the reason why that you're not, not there. And so it's, and, and many other things associated with this, right? This is the world. Uh, if you don't get the promotion, it's because you don't have a penis between your legs. Uh, that this is what people have been told over and over again. It's not their responsibility. It's not their fault. Uh, and, and what all we're doing is we're telling them is that reality is not real. In fact, your imagination is real. And we're going to lean into your imagined fantasy about yourself, whether that's because you're a victim of, because you're black, you're a victim because you're a woman, you're um, a victim because you know you're expected to make uh, money and you can't do that. Uh, and in this case now, uh, they're encouraging you to be the opposite sex because that's your imagination. And you, all we can say, and I, I know Ari agrees with me, is that you are being played. Every you're being for those of you who actually want to go through the transition and uh, people are supporting you, or so it seems to you. You should know that you are being played. Okay, you're merely a tool by a much larger progressive agenda. No, not a conspiracy. Or hell, I don't care. Call it a conspiracy it if you like. It might be a conspiracy. I mean, well, it's, it's, it's more than one person is doing it. Well, you know? exactly right. So. And, and, but, you know, it's a consp- like all conspiracies, it, it becomes it transparent. Really it's it, not a conspiracy theory. It's, it's, a, reality. A, it's a conspiracy that becomes transparent to all of us. Right? We know that this is just an effort to play you. And, and likewise... Uh, for those of you support those, and you actually start thinking, "Oh yeah, I, I, I certainly you know support Charlie or Johnny or whatever in his uh, noble quest to become the opposite sex," um, you're being played as well, because you're being told what to think, and 
And when you can be told that a woman can be a man and vice versa, then you can be told anything. I think that's, that's honestly the reason why they're really pursuing this. Because there, there, there do exist p- such people that are transgendered. But like Ari correctly pointed out, it's one out of 35,000 people. That's it. And it's on average. in their head. And it's, it's all not in reality. It's not mostly in their head. It's, it's all it's in, their in their head. And uh, so because they exist, they say, let's glom onto that and we'll make it much more than it is. And we'll make a whole social justice uh, a, a, a cause out there that the world will have to dance around. And all of a sudden, we're changing our language. We're, we're allowing men to play with our, our daughters in, in their sports, to say nothing of them changing in the locker rooms and everything else. And, 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 and you're going to be canceled if you don't agree with it. That, that, that's what it's all about. I, we need to see a much larger picture. It's a denial of reality. It's the encouraging of not being free, right? As we started in the very beginning of this, of this podcast, what you're really seeing is telling people, don't be free. That's the last thing we want because freedom implies not only hard work, but the recognition of reality. Whatever that reality might be, you have to recognize it. And this is what the progressive movement is all about, is they want to destroy reality. We've seen it time and time again. All right, folks. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast today. Hope to talk to you next week. Sorry about not being there last week. In the meantime, Brock Lurie signing off. God bless, and we'll talk with you next week.